0: So this is a topic that I actually have a lot of students who are interested in for various reasons. And that topic, of course, is publishing advice and publishing at all sorts of levels and in all sorts of capacities. You know, today, as compared to historically, however far back you want to go, obviously, publishing changes and develops over time. And it's interesting because if you look at publishing today, the state of publishing, it's obviously quite different than it has been in the past due to the internet and electronic media in general. And again, we can spend hours and hours looking at why that's a good thing in some situations and a not so great thing in other situations. Of course, I'm not going to do that all right now because, I mean, who wants to listen to me ramble for hours about exactly that? So instead, what I'll do here is what I try to do normally, which is sort of boil down those main points to. A few of the, the most important or the most vital and I think the most helpful that my students find, at least the ones, again, who are interested in publishing in, in general and what that really means when we say publishing, what actually goes into that, right? This is something that we, we speak a lot about. I speak a lot about in, in all my classes in different capacities, whether it's looking at technical writing or creative writing or just other types of academic writing or real world, real life writing identifying what exactly are the goals in these different scenarios, in these different situations. And so one of the first points that I mention when I have students or just friends of mine, really anybody who comes to me and says that they're interested in publishing their work, well, you know, the first question is sort of why do you want to publish your work and what does that really mean, right? Like what do you actually want to do with that? And one of the the first things I like to get out of the way with that is the fact that, you know, for myself and looking back on my own publishing career in terms of works that I have gotten published, I'm I'm always reminded by the fact that I have still to this day, um, and I'm trying to think when I actually created these, but it was probably many years ago, uh, back in college even, when I first started submitting stories, particularly short stories, that sort of thing. And what I created was a pair of folders in my Gmail account. And the folders have two, well, there's two titles. Uh, The first folder is titled Acceptances, and the second uh, folder is titled Rejections. Now, as you can perhaps guess, one of those folders is much denser much more weighty than the other. And uh, if you haven't figured it out yet, it's unfortunately the rejections folder. But that's not necessarily a bad thing. And that's not necessarily an indictment on my writing, so to say. Uh, And so there's a lot of reasons as to why certain stories, certain types of writing may be rejected versus may be accepted. And some of those reasons are good. Some of them, uh, not so good in terms of, you know, again, the reason why the, your work might be rejected might have nothing to do with the quality of it and uh, might there might be external factors at play so that's something i i sort of want to explain because i think a lot of really good writers really great writers can very easily get discouraged by initial rejections uh, especially early on in their writing or as they submit their writing so i call it a tale of two folders in terms of really looking back upon okay well what is the balance between the number of acceptances and number of rejections and you know again the number of rejections is uh, i think exponentially is the right way to put it exponentially higher than the amount of acceptances in my acceptance folder but again you're not judged by your rejections you're you're judged by your successes right i don't know if that's good advice starting out but i think there's some truth to that certainly and that's all it takes is one acceptance to get that story or that work, that writing out there, right? And you're going to be faced with a lot of rejections. If you are really serious about publishing your work and you're really devoted to getting it out there, there, there will be, again, and for some reasons that you agree with, some reasons that you disagree with, and many reasons that are unclear. Uh, oftentimes when you get a rejection for work that you've submitted somewhere, it comes in the form of a form letter or a formal letter that essentially is a template that they just send out to everybody they've rejected. It says, Thank you for submitting your story. Unfortunately, we regret to inform you that it does not, uh, this is currently not what we're looking for, blah, 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 right? So, sort of impersonal. And in some ways, you, you sort of feel worse for that. It's funny, when I first started submitting stories and writing, to uh, magazines or or journals, uh, you know, whatever type of publication, I, you know, a personal rejection, I think would have freaked me out more. And a personal rejection being where somebody emails you back from a magazine or a journal or an editor emails you back and says specifically why your story is not being accepted by them. And I think, you know, again, initially those types of rejections, I took more personally than the formal ones where I say, well, you know it seems like they just might have rejected it for any amount of reasons right uh, it's nothing personal they just send me the you know the sort of generic rejection but as i've submitted more and i've had more work published i actually i the the impersonal rejections stand out to me more in terms of me feeling like uh, what a waste it's the ones that you know i had a story relatively recently i submitted and i got a personal rejection and part of it was saying how I had all these uh, grammatical mistakes and it was sloppy or something like that. And uh, the style and form was uh, written in a way that they weren't, it was a creative story, so it wasn't supposed to be exactly grammatically correct. Anyways, disagreement, but I appreciate that they actually took the time to read it because there were things that they also liked about it. And that's oftentimes the case too, you'll notice um, with personal rejections, you know, oftentimes, you get sort of that that personal insight, which can actually be really useful and really helpful, especially, you know, the people reading this, or your your submissions, you know, they have so much else to read so much else going on. So when they do take time to personally write back to you, I mean, even if they're saying that they're not accepting your story or your work, it's not accepted. Uh I actually, you know, I think that says a lot that they still take time, even <laughs> if to mostly criticize it. Um and so I say all of this just to to keep in mind that it it's it you know, this doesn't happen overnight, right? Um and, and again, there's many reasons as to why a story might not get accepted or it might not, you know, be published by any anybody, whether that's a magazine or a journal or whatever. And so it's worth thinking about for yourself how to put yourself in the best position possible if you want to get work published, right? And again, sometimes they'll say, sometimes they'll say just quite simply, well, you know, we like your story, but it's not what we're looking for at the time, right? Again, that may be more of a personal rejection, which is good. And you want to sort of think about that. You know, sometimes they'll even say, oh, we encourage you to submit in the future, right? Right. I've personally gotten rejections like that from some really prominent magazines that I said, "Oh god, like why why aren't they looking for this type of story right now?" That's a, you know, national renowned publication, that would be great to get into that. But the fact that they say, you know, please submit in the future, it's like, "Oh, okay, well, at least that's something, right?" And it it does speak to, you know, the quality of your work that is that is there as well. So sometimes it's just a stylistic difference, sometimes it's a A difference in the subject matter or the genre. It's just not right for the themed issue that they're doing, oftentimes, or what their style or focus is exactly. I mean, you'll find as you submit to all sorts of publications, they oftentimes have very narrow vibes in terms of what types of stories or what types of work uh, they're looking to publish. So that's certainly something to keep in mind. And again, a lot of this is subjective uh, according to the editor who reads your story. You know, they might just like your story for reasons other than, uh, you know, technical ones. So, yeah, definitely something to keep in mind. Uh, the other thing that, uh, reason why stories or writing is often rejected, and this applies to creative works, you know, such as stories and poetry, as well as nonfiction like essays and articles, is, again, if you don't follow the, their guidelines. And this is actually a really important point that I mention pretty much at all levels of writing when you're submitting anything. And this includes job applications with cover letters, uh, applications for grad school programs, internships, and certainly published work. And more so than those previous um, areas that I just mentioned in terms of like jobs and professional development and and schools, those will reject you if you don't follow their guidelines, but they don't tell you that necessarily. Um, And that's important to note, right? Because you got to think realistically if Say, for example, you are on a hiring committee for a company and you have one position open and you get, and this happens quite regularly, you might get 100 applicants, 200 applicants, several hundred applicants, right? I mean, how in the world are you going to sort through all of that? Oftentimes what they do, whether through using software programs that look for certain keywords or certain elements to make sure that oh, you actually took time to read our listing and read our job posting and actually look like somebody who we would want to work with, who do have the applicable skills, or again, just take the time to read what we really do and write about how you feel as if you meet those expectations and those requirements. So they, they look for that in order to just get rid of the people who don't, because again, they know that out of hundreds of applicants, even just kind of doing that sort of You know, very impersonal processing to weed out half the applications, they're still going to find somebody perfectly qualified. And in fact, probably the most qualified person that they want that way. And that's just a, a, you know, a mode of practicality in terms of actually being able to process everything that they have uh, submitted to them. And this is true of publishers as well. Uh, You know, the difference being that oftentimes publishers will explicitly tell you in their submission guidelines that if you do not follow our guidelines, and when they say follow our guidelines, they mean not just what information they want submitted, but even the formatting of how it's submitted, that they will reject your story or your writing, sometimes without even reading it, right? They'll, They'll say that, oh, yeah, if you don't include this information in your cover letter or in your, you know, submission entry form, we will reject the story without even reading it. And again, it's because they have so many to go through that they know they're still going to find one that has that, you know, just technical information that they also need, maybe for processing reasons or whatever the case might be. Again, it seems kind of stupid sometimes and unfair and arbitrary, but, you know, I mean, think realistically in your own life when you're busy and don't have enough time to get work done. How are you going to sort through all the stuff you have to get done? You got to prioritize. So, Unfortunately, that's how they often do it, but it's it's certainly worth noting for that reason. And that's oftentimes why something might get rejected. So that can be really confusing for a lot of writers who are trying to get published for the first time, where they think they have a great story, and they do, and they submit it, and they just get, again, that formal form rejection, right? That impersonal rejection, and they think, they figure, oh, I guess my story sucks, right? My story's terrible. And it's like, well, no, your story, again, might be great, but they said in their guidelines, if you don't follow them exactly, we will reject this without reading it. Or they might not say that, they might just do it still. So certainly something to, to bear in mind. I mean, take the time to really read what they want and how they want it ordered and structured. And this is frustrating, I understand, because especially as writers, even if you are a nonfiction writer, you know, we, we think of ourselves as creative people, not so much as bureaucrats, Right. As technical people all the time who are trying to just you know stick to the you know the, f- the fine print in that way um, we stick to the fine print in terms of being more creative with our words and phrasing and that sort of thing but unfortunately this is a big part of it if you want to get your work out there is, is really looking at you know how they want that work submitted to them so all elements to keep in mind and of course The other reason why work is sometimes not accepted is because honestly, it's not that good. (laughs) And I laugh when I say that because I've definitely submitted stuff that is not that good. Um, You know, it happens. I mean, one of the best things you can do with any of your writing, especially with creative work, is don't submit it right when you finish it. Put it in a proverbial dresser drawer for a week, two weeks, three weeks, however long, you know, just don't look at that file for a little bit and then come back to it after you've stepped away for a while. And I say this because I've definitely submitted stories where I say, oh, I, you know, I've been trying to finish this. I've been trying to get this done. Great. It's it's complete. Let me, you know, boom, the, look up all the publishers, all the magazines, all the journals and submit to all the ones that seem you know, relevant and would be interested in this. And I submit to like 20 of them, all the ones conceivably that would be interested in a story like that. And I, I I, get rejections. Or another thing that happens is you don't get responses. So they'll usually say when you can expect a response, but if they don't respond by a certain date that they say they will, typically means that they've rejected it. Anyways, so I've done that where I submit a story right away upon completing it. And you know, I don't hear back or I get all rejections and I forget about the story for a month, two months, three months, however long. And then I come back to it and I notice that there's a grammatical error in the first line. (laughs) And you think to yourself, how stupid am I that I somehow missed that? And I, I, you know, I don't know enough about the psychology itself. I haven't studied that myself, but I can sure as hell say from experience that part of What's happening there, I believe, is that you become desensitized to some of the nuances that you will otherwise notice once you've stepped away from something. So it's almost like, you know, being in a bad relationship where you don't notice all the flaws, all the things that are wrong, and other people around you can be like, you know, dude, this is, you know, this person is crazy. This person is terrible. This person is, you know, out of their, whatever, right? Um and you don't see it, right? You're blinded to it for whatever reasons because you're really attached to it because you're just so familiar with it. I mean, right? You can say the s- same thing about some of your writing. Yeah, I mean, we're invested in our writing too, right? Uh, upon, you know, breaking up, you know, being away from that person maybe for a month, two months, three months, etc. all of a sudden you look back and you say, what was I thinking, right? Why, why didn't I, you know, see that before? So I, I think it's ironic how in real life as in writing, there's something to that in terms of kind of getting blinded to the specific details in terms of whether technical errors or just what could be better about it in terms of the actual story or plot or theme. Um, again, I'm, I'm using the example of creative work, creative writing, but this applies to nonfiction works too if you're trying to write essays, uh, which I also do nonfiction essays, um, articles, that sort of thing too. So certainly another point to keep in mind i think in terms of don't rush trying to publish work um you know unless of course it's time expedited like it's a current topic or issue that needs to get out you know that's a different issue but i think that's a that's a good point worth keeping in mind and you know lastly in terms of how I, i feel weird like starting this talking about all the reasons why your stories will get rejected but this is important to to clarify because you will get many more rejections as I have than you will get acceptances. And in fact, sometimes it's a combination of all of these factors or reasons. And I think one of the best pieces pieces of advice I got in grad school was by one of my professors who was a well he is a nonfiction writer. I took a nonfiction writing class with him and he he is specifically a biographer and he's written really big name biographies of big name people. Um, to give you an example, he, I think he wrote a uh, biography on Walt Disney. Um, he's been working on a Ted Kennedy biography, I think for 10 years now or something like that. I mean, massive biographies, we're talking probably thousand page books, right? uh, that he gets, you know, advances on, like they, they pay him to go do research and go spend years to work on these projects essentially, right? These mass projects. So this guy is about as legit as it gets. I mean, he's, you know, you can put him in, in the realm of, you know, these biographers who, you know, these are the people that you go to, to write biographies, you know, major biographies about major world figures like Ted Kennedy as an example, right? And one of the things that he told us in our class was that he established very early on how many rejections you're going to get. And the fact that he he was telling us he was writing, I think it was an essay. Uh, I forget where he wound up getting it published. But he said, yeah, the amount of rejections he went through with that essay was even surprising to him. And I forget the exact number, but you know, even a 10 to one ratio of 10 rejections per one acceptance is pretty good. And I think it was something like that for the essay he was working on. I don't remember exactly. But again, and he he made a point of this, this idea, this fact that he said, yeah, you know, I might, you know, make my living essentially writing these biographies. And, you know, as a very established credentialed biographer, but I'm still going to get all these rejections just to get one acceptance. I still have to do all the work of querying and writing those cover letters and submitting those stories and trying to find the right publications. So that work never necessarily ends, I I believe was essentially his point. And so what this really means is that there are two types of writers in terms of writers who get their work published. And, you know, quite simply, there are those who will keep going and get their work published and and those who won't. And I, I... We'll say that it is frustrating at times. Um, it is daunting at times. It's more or less outright depressing <laughs> at times, right? I mean, nobody likes to be faced with rejection. And I know people, you know, particularly who, you know, have anxiety or, or they, they, they really do suffer from um, various issues related to depression and anxiety. And it can be a lot for them. And, I, you know, again, I think for some people, that's part of the reason, at least why they don't submit their writing, because I know, and it really is a shame, because I know some writers who are absolutely fantastic, but either because they don't understand this process, they don't have or want to take the time to go through this process, or, and or, you know, as well, I mean, none of these factors are exclusive, mutually exclusive. Um, They, they, you know, don't want to deal with the constant Rejection, and you know, I, I think again, we we have to emphasize this point because that is, you know, tough. If you're having a bad day, and all of a sudden you check your email, and it, oh look, I got three more rejections today. It's it's rejection letter Wednesday. Fantastic, great. I guess you know, I'll go eat shit and die now, right? Um, it's like no. Well, again, like we said, there could be various reasons why those stories are rejected, and it doesn't mean that an acceptance isn't coming. You know, somewhere down the line. And I will say it 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 is quite rewarding when you do get that reject. Uh, <laughs> I'm so used to saying <laughs> rejection. I will said it again. <laughs> it is quite rewarding when you do get that acceptance and get to put it in your acceptance folder. So the acceptance folder will, will never outweigh the rejection folder, but, um, it, it, it will have weight of its own for sure. And I think that's, that's something to keep in mind for, for all of us. Okay. Um, Another thing I wanted to just mention briefly is the fact that, you know, there's so many ways to get published today. We really have to broaden, and I I think this is worthwhile for all of us to think about, we really have to broaden our perspective as to what publishing actually means, as well as as why bother. You know, one of my favorite pieces of of advice I give for students um, is to never publish something that you're not proud of, and that does not, by any means, mean that it's perfect, or it's the ultimate story, or it's you know, you know what I mean. Like I'm not saying, oh, you can only publish, you know, per- perfect work. Um, what I'm saying is, don't half-ass it. Don't just publish something because you want to be published. You you want to be proud of the work that you put out. And in fact, it's it's funny. This came up, I think, last semester in my um, one of my. Uh, writing composition classes, one of the assignments we do is we analyze student articles from the school newspaper. And those are good articles to analyze because there's a lot, oftentimes, good in them in terms of persuasion and argument. But there's oftentimes opportunities to be a little more clear or be a little more elaborative or be a little more convincing to different types of audiences. That might be something we do an episode on moving forward because it's a really interesting topic uh, in terms of, you know, doing an analytical paper that's not so much just looking at like a perfect piece of work. Right. And I I had a student, I think it was last semester who she said that she felt bad because she was making all these, you know, criticisms of this story. And I said, well, this is a good thing because if, especially if you agree with the point, these are elements that you would want to focus on yourself to make your own argument stronger. Right. And I said, you know, as well. I mean, if you feel bad that the, you feel as if this person didn't put out their best work in terms of quality, well, you know, you're allowed to point, point out the flaws. Like, you know, people should be putting out the best work that they can. And again, that's not to like mock it or anything or to, uh, you know, like really, you know, be negative about it, but to point out what is objectively could be stronger about it. That's, that's, that's fine. So I feel bad using that as an example, because I'm not saying again, as if that person wasn't putting out their best work, but they were, they were, I think my student was feeling bad as if, well, you know, that person might feel bad if people judge their work negatively. And my point was, well, you know, they shouldn't, if it's their best work, you know, if they're, if they're putting out work that they agree with and they're proud of, then, you know, they shouldn't feel negative if people criticize it. People criticize stuff I write all the time. Um, and that's fine if I'm, you know, proud and happy with what I've done, right? Even if there are errors. I mean, we all make mistakes realistically. Um, but that's that's you know sort of the sort of the point there is that especially if it's any issue or topic that is divisive or there is uh, there are a lot of alternate viewpoints on, you know, people are going to have disagreements and, and that's, you know, that's fine as long as you put your best work out there. So my, my, my point with that is, you know, always, always be, be proud of what you do. Again, it's not expected to be perfect, I don't think. Um, perfect is kind of a made up term anyways, in terms of writing. That's something we'll talk about in the future, definitely. But just one thing to keep in mind, I think, in terms of when you feel like you're ready to publish certain work. And as well, as I was saying earlier, you know, there's so many ways to get published today and it's kind of, it's kind of good, I think, because there there's opportunities that are traditional as well as n- sort of new and, and ever emerging. And, you know, this came up actually the other day in class, which is why I wanted to do an episode on this, this idea that somebody was talking about the, the we were talking about the history of publishing and the printing press and I mean, it's really interesting to think about the fact that we essentially are living in a time where we have a modern printing press innovation. So if you go back to the um, creation of the printing press in Europe by Gutenberg in, I think it was like the mid 1400s, totally changes civilization, especially more so over the next several hundred years. I mean, you go from I don't know, probably like a couple of print, you know, million texts to uh, hundreds of millions or and eventually billions. It sort of increases exponentially over the centuries. And who has access to those works changes radically, as well as who is able to write as further printing technologies emerge. And this, again, this changes not just the amount of writing that is done, but the types of writing too. I mean, this is where, you know, eventually you get newspapers, right? You get news outlets, whole industries, writing industries and publishing industries arise from this innovation. So game changing in that sense. And today what we have is almost as revolutionary of a technology and arguably much more so, which is the internet. And what the internet has done is in some ways it's essentially killing print media. I mean, when was the last time you read a a print... Uh, you know, newspaper. Um, but at the same time, it's, it's opening up opportunities. And part of the problem with the internet is that that change has been so swift and so qu- quick in terms of how much print media has decreased versus online media, whether again, it's eBooks or news, news outlets online, that it's hard to really know the rules and, and sort of know the benefits and advantages. Cause like I was saying with the Gutenberg printing press, I mean, the amount of texts increase over time, but we're talking about over spans of centuries. Here we're talking about, you know, the internet in terms of people having PCs and using that and being able to write and publish through those. I mean, maybe 20 years or so, not even a full generation yet. And again, we're we're talking about an entire or entire new industries or mediums of consuming media electronically that just didn't exist a quarter of a century ago. So it's, it's revolutionary in that way, and it's kind of daunting and confusing in that way too. But again, it it, it it gives many of us an opportunity to think outside the box and to think about publishing in ways that we haven't before. And so one thing that I'll say about publishing in the modern age as well, in terms of electronic media, is to consider the fact that you don't have to always publish through a major magazine, a major newspaper, a major publishing house or, or literary agent. Oh, geez, I didn't even get to talk about literary agents yet. Okay, maybe I'll take a moment to talk about that in a moment. <laughs> that's a whole other thing, though, finding literary agents. Um, that's for publishing like novels more so, as opposed to stories, which you can submit more so directly to the magazines or the journals that you're you're trying to get published in. Anyways, there's great websites for that as well. And that's something that you want to look up to. I mean, you can Google most of this, honestly, but you have to look at that and you have to try to find that information. But anyways, again, you yourself have many opportunities for publishing that were previously unavailable to all the generations before you. And so I I think that's worth thinking outside the box with. I mean, a lot of people, they have blogs now for either their businesses or their personal writings. I have my own blogs that I, I work on and I use. Again, different ways to reach out to different audiences through those mediums, Um, as well as a lot of, you know, magazines and journals, they're they're electronic only. I've had stories published on, um, you know, online journals, especially shorter fictional works that are quicker to read. Uh, One of my most recent short stories was a flash fiction story that, um, you know, I think it was 500 words maybe, um, and it was published just on the website. And again, these are quite legitimate and just more and more legitimate over time as more people are going to the internet for their information and for their entertainment. And, uh, you know, again, it, it's it's something that's worth taking advantage of. It's not as if publishing only happens in print. In fact, it probably mostly happens um, online in some within some genres now. And some magazines or journals, they have both print and electronic. Some are just electronic. Some are still just print. Some they um, have only some stories in the print and they have many more, uh, both online um, or on their website. They have both the printed stories from their printed journals and magazines, as well as additional stories. So it depends. It's always different from publisher to publisher or publication to publication. So certainly something to think about, I, I think, in terms of like what other opportunities that you have. You know, again, in terms of actually finding these magazines and journals, yeah, I really do think we could do a whole episode on that. So I don't want to get into that now. But I would say just look it up online, see what people are talking about on certain websites or forums or groups or organizations, and talk to people you know who have been published. I mean, again, if you don't know anybody who's been published, well, yeah, I think you can just start by going online. But if you know other people, um, who have or you know, if you are in school and you know you you know where the journalism department is or, or English majors or anything like that, talk to people. Talk to whoever you can because you'd be amazed by the amount of nuanced advice and specific advice and information that others might have on some of these these topics, okay? I've gotten great advice from other writers before in terms of, Every step of the process, where, where to find publishers, where to find literary agents. And, and literary agents, I, I know I said I wanted to mention that, are essentially people who agree to represent you when you write something like, say, a novel, a longer work, and you want to submit that to a publisher. So they take your work to a publisher. So you have to convince them, essentially, apply to them to say, oh, yeah, here's my story. It's great. Read some of it. And if they like it, they then try to find a a publisher. So they're kind of like a middleman. And they're necessary to get most novels published um, or longer works like that. But for shorter works, like short stories, poems, that sort of thing, you can submit just directly to the magazine or journals just by going to their their websites. Or again, by, you know, just looking up, uh, there's all sorts of Different websites that allow you to search for different types of magazines and journals and that sort of stuff. Um, Duotrope is one of the ones that, that I use. Um, that's a great one. And again, there's many, many others, especially depending upon your specific genre and focus. But talk to others. I mean, anybody that you know who has any connection to uh, social media even, you know, they might have ideas or, or advice. Um, or, or again, anybody in academia who goes to college. It, it's like networking in general. You never know who knows who, you never know who knows what. And just you know, talking to people and asking around can, can be huge in terms of opening a door that maybe you didn't even know was there. I know that's certainly happened to me where just talking to people, they say, oh, actually, I know this publish publication that's looking for this type of story i'll recommend you oh well that's great awesome didn't know that if we hadn't been talking so yeah like most networking opportunities you just you you never know it's like it's like a lottery slogan hey you never know oh crap was i not supposed to say that i don't know whatever go ahead lotto people try to take me down (laughs) i've made it this far Anyways, I feel as if I'm finally fully rambling now. So I think we'll wrap that up for today because I think, again, there, there's a lot there and, and sort of the main takeaways for you. Again, if you are a writer and you are thinking about publishing, you know, think about why you really want to do it and think about some of the advice we said in terms of the fact of keeping in mind that it's a marathon, not a sprint. And with that in mind, I think you will eventually get there. So thanks so much as always for listening to our podcast here. If you have ideas for topics that you would like to hear us talk more about, please comment wherever you're listening to this. Uh, You can comment or uh, subscribe anywhere that you're listening to this podcast and find more ways to reach out to us at professorlabs.podbean.com. We're also on Twitter. I think I'm at... Am I at Professor Labs? I forget. I should check that. That would that would be useful to know before I tell people how to find me on on Twitter, is to actually know my Twitter handle. Yeah, no, I'm not. That's not my Twitter handle. My Twitter handle is at Joe T Labs. So you can uh, tweet at me there too if you have ideas for for topics or you just have comments about um, this topic or, or anything I've said here, of course, all the things that I probably got wrong, which I assume is is often and quite um, bad in terms of what I sometimes get wrong. So let me know if there's anything along those lines, or again, any of your experiences or advice with publishing. I would love to hear that as well. You know, my experience is just my experience, and there are, I think, some good common rules or pieces of advice based on what I've said so far in this episode but i you know again just talking to other writers and people in the publishing world they always have more advice there's so much more to learn just by talking to these people and actually you know social media is a great way to connect and reach out and just get some insight with much of this as well so thanks again for listening and like i said best of luck hang in there remember it is a marathon not a sprint and like i said before We'll get there eventually. So other than that, have a great day, and we will see you next time. Take care. Bye-bye.